With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hey there, MD Nation. I want to talk to you guys about a big-time sponsor presenting today's episode before we get into the show called The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Again, that is promo code 15OFF. You can go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com so your wall will never be boring again. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, everybody out there in MD Nation. That's right, you're back. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, your host, Dan Mater. And I'm excited to be back. Why? We were off last week. And, you know, the reason we were off last week is pretty much it's going to be the last week that uh, I could take off before December. Maybe even longer, because we might be doing something special for you guys even when the fantasy football season, uh, Week 17, is over this season. We'll still going to see what happens there, but that's it. We are going to be here with you guys every single week from here on out. And after this week, this will be the last week that we're only doing one show. We're going to be bumping it up to two shows a week until the season starts, and then from there, we are going to be four shows a week. Now, just to give you a quick rundown of how that's going to work out, first of all, Today's show, we're going to be doing the top five, bust five, sleeper five of the quarterback position. 
And then we're going to continue that series like we did last year. We're going to do that top, uh, bu- top best five, bus five, sleeper five for the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. And then our second episodes throughout the week are all going to be mock drafts for different scoring formats. So that way you guys get a taste of you know where your where our rankings are at, how you can utilize them, and how they will help you zag while everyone else zigs and give you that edge over your opponents in your draft. And we're going to see how everything shakes out and see what you like. So our first draft up, we'll, that'll be our, our, you know, our three weeks of episodes there for mock drafts. And we're going to do half point. We're going to do full point. We're going to do standard leagues. That way, everybody out there in MD Nation is 100% and fully prepared going into their drafts. And then once the season starts, we're all off the four episodes a week. Thursdays and Fridays episodes will remain the same. They'll be on video episodes. You're going to be able to catch us on YouTube, on Sportscast, or on Twitter, on Facebook Live, or you're going to be able to listen to us on your favorite podcast app. The only difference will be on Monday and Tuesdays. I'm on the road, a little bit more mobile. There won't be any video episodes for those two. So the recap episodes and the waiver wire will just be available to you on your favorite podcast app, whether it be iHeartRadio, Spotify, or iTunes, or Stitcher, or wherever you like to go to listen to your MD's Fantasy Football show. So that's how the breakdown is going to be going, just so everybody out there in MD Nation knows. And the other thing is that every single episode, except for the mock draft episodes, I should add that, because we're probably not going to do it for the mock draft episodes, but every single episode from here on out is going to have a mailbag segment. And we have one today, the first one of 2020. We're very excited. This is our big way to be giving back to you guys who listen to the show, who want that fantasy advice, which... You're the ones we do the show for in the first place. We want you guys to be able to win. So we got the MD Nation hotline is open, available to you guys, 609-362-2480. You can go ahead, call that number, leave your voicemail, and we'll get you here live on the show. Or I shouldn't say live on the show. We will get your uh, comment, your rant, your question, whatever it may be, heard on the show and answered by me. Again, that phone number is 609-362-2480. But hold on. That's not the only place that you can contact the show. You can also contact us on Twitter. You can also contact us on Facebook, both at BellyUpMDFFShow for your fantasy football comment, question, rant, concern, whatever the case may be, and we'll get and respond to you uh, throughout the show as well. And, of course, uh, if you prefer email, you can email us directly, MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com. So that covers all of that for you guys. Remember, we have that all available to you, so take advantage of it. I mean, the reason we do this show is because I want you guys to win fantasy football, and there's no better way than to personalize what your question may be, what your issue may be, what it is that you're looking for, what it is that you're struggling with. So that's what we're going to be all here about. So make sure you take advantage of that. Now, moving on. We also have for you guys, kicking off today's show, the off-season notes, which is going to be our first off-season notes that we've had in a really long time. And we have a lot to talk about. One, we were off two weeks, but people are starting to report to camp now. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things that we have to cover. And the biggest one, of course, that we have to talk about was Damian Williams. I mean, that really changed the entire fantasy landscape for obvious reasons. Now you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who no longer do you have to worry about whether or not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, when is he going to take over? When is he going to get the majority of the work? None of that is now a concern. All you have to worry about now when it comes to this is how high is his ceiling? How high do you take him at this point? And, you know, to give you guys some some perspective for us, especially when it comes to half point PPR, uh, which is usually what we talk about when we're doing these shows, because that seems to be the leading standard industry for this. He is number 13, uh, number 13 running back, I should say, on our board right after Josh Jacobs. 
uh, right in that range. So he's not quite. So a lot of people want to put him in the top ten. A lot of people want to make him a first rounder. He's not quite on that level, and the reason being for that is that he has limits to his talent. There's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of excitement about Clyde Edwards-Flaire being drafted by Kansas City Chiefs, what that means for fantasy football purposes. Rightfully so, but it's gone too much. It's gone too high. Where people have now gone to the point where they seemingly have forgotten that he's not the most talented running back who came out of this draft class. And while his skill set does fit what the Kansas City Chiefs really want to do, and obviously he'll be in, in great positions to produce... He still only has one gear. There is no second gear to this guy in the open field. He's not He's not that home run threat. He's not that big playmaker. There's a big reason why I thought Damian Williams was going to get a significant amount of work still because he is much more of a game breaker than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is. Remember, this guy who ran a 4-6, and even when you go and watch the film, this is not a guy who just he doesn't have that second gear when he gets to the second level of the secondary. It just doesn't happen for him. Is he shifty between the tackles? Yes. So for a small guy, is he going to be able to make guys miss? Is he going to be efficient as a runner? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he can definitely catch the ball. But he still has to work on his pass protection. That's still going to be an issue as well. This isn't a guy that you're going to hand the ball off to at the goal line and think that he's going to be able to bulldoze or sneak his way in very often. So I still think there's a chance that Darrell Williams or DeAndre Washington will find themselves in a certain situational role. And I think DeAndre Washington, this just, just boosts him up to being a top handcuff because the other thing is Clyde hilarious. He's not the biggest guy in the world here. And I don't think that this is a guy who's going to get 200 carries this year. I was talking about this on another show called Belly Up Fantasy Live earlier this week on Tuesday nights so that will be airing 8.30 every, every Tuesday night on Facebook and on Twitter. And I talked about there how... I expect him to get a Alvin Kamara type of volume where he's not going to get quite 200 carries. He might get 185. He might get 70 targets, maybe 80, maybe 100, maybe 70 receptions. And he's going to get, you know, he's going to get worked in that way. He's going to have opportunities to produce, but at the same time, he's also not Alvin Kamara. He doesn't have his speed. He doesn't have his natural athleticism. He's not on that level. He's not a superstar. He's not a Saquon Barkley. He's not a Dalvin Cook. He's not an Alvin Kamara. He's not a Joe Mixon. He's none of those guys. And if we go back to these podcasts that I talked about during the NFL draft, I had mentioned that, look, that was the wrong pick. The Kansas City Chiefs, that was the wrong pick. It should have been DeAndre Swift. If you were looking for a running back with great receiving skills that you wanted to be leading the way and wanted to be next to Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years, it should have been DeAndre Swift. He's infinitely more talented as a runner, more dynamic, I should say, and he's just as good of a pass catcher. And if your biggest reason that you brought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in is because of his skill set and how you think it complements Patrick Mahomes as a pass catcher, well, DeAndre Swift would have been the same thing, and he's definitely much more dynamic of a runner. So that wasn't the right pick that they made back in April. I want people to kind of realize that and pump the brakes a little bit. Now, from I, I know he's been a fantasy wet dream of everyone's. And like I said, for good reason. I still have him number 13. I still have him as a borderline RB1, the highest event RB2s in those 12-man leagues. So I'm not down on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, you know, obviously I'm not nearly as down on him as I was when Damian Williams was still in the mix. But... There is a situation here where people cannot get too overhyped. I hear people talking about take him seventh overall in drafts, and that's just, and even in full point PPR, and that's just that's mind boggling to me. He can't go over these superstar running backs. He can't. He's not as good as they are, and he's not going to get enough volume even in this great situation to definitely guarantee he has as much of a floor of a 
Joe Mixon, of a Derrick Henry, of even a Miles Sanders this year who's looking at a lot of volume heading in his direction. It's not the same level. He's not on that level of talent. He will be very good. But we need to get a realistic expectation, a realistic perspective on what he really brings to the table. And it's very good overall in in almost every category. But he has some limitations as a runner. He has some limitations as a pass blocker. He has some limitations as a game breaker. And all these things need to be taken into consideration before you wind up picking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number five overall. Now, in other news, to move on here a little bit, we also had some guys uh, sign. We had LaShawn McCoy sign with the Tampa Bay Bucks. We had Jordan Reed sign with the San Francisco 49ers. We'll touch on the Jordan Reed thing real quickly just because we have to wait to see Jordan Reed actually be able to get out of camp healthy before we're really going to dive in and start really talking about and projecting a lot of fantasy value out of him. Obviously, he's not somebody you're going to be drafting, uh, without a doubt. But he is somebody that, if he is healthy enough, if he can make the team and he can get through not being injured, this is a team that runs a lot of two tight end sets. He's a great complement to George Kittle. And being that this team is going to probably be without Debo Samuel, I think at least for the first four weeks, if not more, you're left with a rookie wide receiver and Brandon Ayuk. They're going to depend quite a bit on George Kittle and Jordan Reed to be the pass catchers of that offense to help them move the ball through the air. So I think there's some fantasy value there that we could talk about for DFS, for best ball, uh, for waiver streaming. But we got to see him get out of camp first. That's why I'm not going to get too excited. That's why I'm not going to dive too much into it right this second. Now, what I will say about LaShawn McCoy... This kills Keyshawn Vaughn. I was a huge Keyshawn Vaughn fan, infinitely a talented guy, somebody who I really thought was going to take over the job sooner rather than later from Ronald Jones, and now I don't know. Now I don't know. Everyone went to bring up the fact that Bruce Arians and his hatred for rookies was going to be a factor, and while I generally would acknowledge that, I thought because Ronald Jones could not even fend off Peyton Barber last year, and he wasn't a rookie last season, I thought there was no way they're going to be able to ignore that Keyshawn Vaughn is the better back to Ronald Jones, and that Tom Brady was going to be the big factor of that because Keyshawn Vaughn is infinitely a better pass protector, even as a rookie, and a better pass catcher. And I thought that would wind up trumping any hesitation on Bruce Arians' part as far as playing rookie running backs. But now you bring in LaShawn McCoy, So now you're telling me that you are looking for reasons not to have to go to Keyshawn Vaughn. You are looking for depth. You are looking for guys that if you want to just find a way to fall forward and and know his correct blocking assignment and just be out there and know what he's supposed to do, even though there's going to be nothing special about the production whatsoever, you have that guy. And Bruce Arians has that track record. Think back before David Johnson, we're talking about guys like Steven Taylor and Elijah Penny and when he traded for Adrian Peterson. We're talking about guys that, we're talking about Jonathan Twyer. We're talking about guys that are just serviceable at the running back position and are able to fall forward enough so Bruce Arians can go to play action. And I thought maybe that would be a little bit different this year, but it turns out to me that, you know what, it's not. It's not different at all. And it's a shame, and I thought Keyshawn Vaughn was going to be the rookie or not, I shouldn't say the rookie, it would have been Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but one of the better rookie running backs this season who was going much later in drafts, you're going to be able to get as your RB4, your RB5, and you're going to get a perennial weekly flex play. That's what I thought was going to happen, and then that just did not wind up being the case at all. Did not wind up being the case at all. And it was very disappointing that that was what wound up taking place. But I digress. So LeJean McCoy, what he does, he ruins Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Uh, they already came out and said, and expectedly so, starting week one, Ronald Jones is, is the guy going to be leading in. We know he's going to get first crack. That was never a surprise of ours. I'm still staying away from Ronald Jones because I do not believe in the talent. And I think eventually, at the end of the day, Tom Brady's going to get very, very frustrated with this guy. And I don't want to hear anything else about how Ronald Jones has worked so hard, so much better now at pass protecting when he hasn't even been in practice. He's been working all offseason on pass protecting. Against what? Air? That wasn't the problem. It's the mental aspect of the game. Ronald Jones has always been big enough to be a decent pass protector as a running back. I never questioned his size. I never questioned his physicality. It's it's, it's mentally knowing where you're supposed to be in the actual speed of the game. We haven't seen that yet. And he practiced on air. So stop telling me that he improved his pass protection skills hitting no one and doing nothing. All right. Let's get that clear right now, too. So that pretty much wraps up the off-season notes that we had to talk about today. We're going to kick it off with the best five on the other side. But before we do that, we have a brand new sponsor that we are super excited about. And we're going to have these guys on the show throughout the season as well. And keep a lookout. We're going to be doing a new uh, DFS special edition show at the end of the week for you guys out there playing DFS. And just another thing that we're adding to the repertoire of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we're going to have these guys on. Very excited to do it. But they are called the DFS Doctors. They are daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The DFS Doctors are a team with seven plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high quality FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. Their goal is for you to win big without having to spend the hours researching yourself. And now if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you'll get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter or at CouchSmackSports.com. And if you check them out on Twitter, make sure you DM them and use the promo code BELLYUP. So very excited about that. That's something we're definitely going to be adding on to the show uh, as throughout the season. Um, and I think that's going to be a big plus for you guys out there in MD Nation who like to do DFS along with uh, your redraft leagues or dynasty leagues, if you may. But to no further ado, we have the top five guys for you that we're going to talk about now here's the one thing i have to say it's a little bit a little a little bit of a, a catfish move on my part for you guys we have a top five quarterbacks obviously but the fifth quarterback we're not going to talk about in the best five because he's actually going to be a guy that we're going to talk about in the sleeper section later on in the show so we're going to skip number five because we're going to talk about him later because i'd rather talk about him in the sleeper segment than in the uh, the uh, best five segment here so we're going to start start the best five of the quarterbacks off with number four, which is Russell Wilson. Now, his ADP is five. I have him one spot higher than the ADP. Um, look, with Russell Wilson, it, this is a guy that didn't have a ton of volume last season and yet still finished uh, in the top five quarterbacks last season. This is a guy who has... Tyler Lockett. This is a guy who has DK Metcalf. This is a guy who might be getting Josh Gordon or, dare I say, Antonio Brown later on in the season because the Seahawks are looking like they're kicking around the tires on those two receivers. Now, as of right now, it looks more likely that they would bring back Josh Gordon rather than bring in Antonio Brown. But now that the suspension of eight games has been handed down to Antonio Brown, teams now know what they are dealing with when they're looking at the prospect of signing him and therefore it's kind of opened up the doors. Okay. What can we expect? What do we, what's worth it to us? What do we want to do here? Uh, 
I, if I had to put money on it right now, I would say that I'm leaning towards it wind up being Josh Gordon, who they who they sign. But either way, there's a lot of really good weapons. And while I don't think much of Greg Olson, but you have Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, you're guaranteed to have at least one decent tight end healthy at some point. Chris Carson is back. Uh, you sign Carlos Hyde, who I think is a great backup to Chris Carson. You're going to be able to continue to do what you do if Carson goes down. I don't know if you're going to have Rashad Penny this year. He's definitely going to start the season off on the pup list. He's definitely going to miss the first six to eight games. I just don't see, even after the midway season point, we're still talking about a guy who got hurt with an ACL injury late last season. I just don't see how he's going to be coming back anytime before December. So I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be at all. Uh, The proven statistic with coordinators when they are at a certain location for multiple years is that the longer they are there, even if they are run first guys, the longer they are there, they pass the ball more and more each year. That's what they do. They pass the ball more and more each year. So I think there is going to be an addition in some volume here for Russell Wilson. I'm projecting him for 523 attempts this season. And based off of that, a little over 4,000 yards. And the one thing about Russell Wilson that we all know is going to be there every year is that he has a ridiculous touchdown ratio to pass attempts. It's it's crazy. Uh, he's always going to be one of the top guys with that. And I have him for about 33 touchdowns as a result. 434 yards rushing, maybe two or three rushing touchdowns. That all combines into being QB4. Now, What's the risk with Russell Wilson, right? Well, some of it in the seasons past, before last year, was that you knew you were getting a crappy September. You knew that for the first four weeks at least, maybe five or six, you're going to have to deal with a guy who is going to be completely frustrating to you and may even be a big part in you getting off to a slow start. Last year was the complete opposite. Last year, he got off to one of the hottest starts of any quarterback, but then he actually simmered off as the season wore on, where it had been the opposite way around. He usually got hotter as the season wore on. I don't know which kind of Russell Wilson we're going to get this season, but what I do know is that I love Tyler Lockett in his new role that we got to see him in last year, when he got to play more slot-wide receiver. He got to be more of a possession guy and utilize his game-breaking ability off of that with the added volume. And we got to see that DK Metcalf, while he's still not a great route runner, uh, is not just a one-trick pony and is a physical beast and is a mismatch nightmare for defenses. And because of that, and because he actually won Russell Wilson's trust last year without a doubt, you have two very dynamic guys out there. So Russell Wilson doesn't have to throw the ball 600 times like some of these other quarterbacks who are amongst the top five have to in order to get that high end ceiling production along with the fact that you know he's going to get a few rushing yards here and there as well um it's just he's streaky he is streaky when you take russell wilson you have to take him with the mindset that whether it's the, whether it's beginning of the season or at the end of the season he's probably going to hit a cold spell at some point when that happens you have to be ready you can't die on the hill with that but at the end of the day this guy i expect him to finish as a top five quarterback there's no doubt in my mind now number three Really shouldn't come as any surprise to anybody this season considering how many weapons he's going to have at his disposal, and that is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Really, he's he's the one guy who's not named Lamar Jackson, not named Patrick Mahomes, that I think really has a great shot at possibly being the QB1 this season. Look at the weapons that he has. Mari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Even I, I'm not a big fan of Blake Jarwin myself. I know there's some people who are bigger on him than, than, than I am. Uh, but he's adequate, and you really only need an adequate tight end when you're talking about the rest of these weapons that he has. And you bring back Kellen Moore, and that was, I've been talking about this all offseason, bringing back Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator is the big X factor here for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys offense in general. To be able to have that chemistry, that fluidity, that that creative motion offense that Kellen Moore ran last season that Dak Prescott flourished in, and to bring it into year two with an added weapon like CeeDee Lamb. And you bring in Mike McCarthy, who, say what you want, but is at least has a more aggressive philosophy than Jason Garrett does. There's nothing to get in Dak Prescott's way this season as far as the offensive ball goes. I love... The floor, I love the ceiling. I have him for 597 attempts this season. This is going to be a faster-paced offense. 4,800 yards, 29 touchdowns. He's going to get 295 yards rushing. And the big thing about Dak Prescott is even though he's a mobile quarterback, he doesn't get you the the four to 500 yards rushing all every year like some of the other guys do. But he gets more rushing touchdowns than the other guys do a lot of the times. He averages about four to five rushing touchdowns a year. That's also big for him. I mean, Dak Prescott, number three, I think he's one of the safest options. It, and, you know, being at this show and a lot of others, but I'm always going to tell you to wait on quarterback if you can. Now, there's always value. Uh, if you're if you're in that third, that fourth round territory, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes are on the board, I am not going to begrudge you one little bit for taking those guys there. But first, second round, absolutely not. There's too much value at quarterback late in these drafts, especially this year, it seems like, to be taking quarterbacks in the first two rounds. Even, I would say, the first two and a half rounds. Because if you're in the beginning of that third round, I don't think the value's there to take a quarterback either. But if you're in that late third round, fourth round territory, you're looking at Lamar, you're looking at Patrick, uh, I could understand it in that situation. But Prescott's that guy I'm targeting. Because in most drafts, his ADP is was his ADP is QB3, where we have him ranked. I forgot to mention that. But his ADP overall has him about the 7th, 8th round. And that's perfect value for a guy who I believe is going to finish top three at his position and have a legitimate shot to finish number one because of the weapons that he has. Now, do I think he's going to? No. He's not going to beat Patrick. He's not going to beat Lamar. At least I don't think so. The Barring injuries and, and just crazy set, unforeseen setbacks. But he has the potential to compete with those guys. He has potential to be there at the end of the year. And, and he's the only guy outside of those two who I would give a shot to. And, that, and his... His value is perfectly weighted. Seventh, eighth round for him, perfect. So Prescott's the guy I'm going to be targeting in a lot of drafts this year. If I don't, if I'm not going to just wait until you know the thirteenth, fourteenth round to take a quarterback, which I do that quite a bit as well. But depending on how the roster sets up, if I got you know if I got a couple of receivers, I got a couple of running backs already. Maybe I have a tight end already, and I'm feeling pretty good about my team overall and how the the format of my team is working out so far. I'm gonna look to take Prescott there, and hopefully he, that will be an example I will be able to give to you guys when we do the mock draft episodes in the upcoming weeks. 
um, and kind of get a look at like, okay, see what we do here in certain situations and why, and and really really dive into, of course, draft strategy and and th- different things to look for, but most of all, roster building. A lot of people they want to dive in the draft strategies. I don't want to get too much too much on a tangent here, but a lot of people they, they want to dive in the draft strategies like zero zero running back or taking quarterbacks late or taking one early or taking tight end early or, or different different strategies that are out there. And I'm always going to tell you the same thing. The only strategy that's worth a damn is value is the value strategy. Always take guys at a value. And when you're drafting, if you always take guys at a value, you're going to wind up with a really good team at the end of the day. So that that's the only strategy that I think is worth a damn. And we're going to talk about that. But the biggest thing when drafting is roster building. If your value winds up taking you, you know, three running backs in the first round. Okay. But now it's time to roster building. Maybe you go to that fourth round. Maybe there's another running back there. You value more than the other wide receivers in that fourth round, but you have three. It means it's time to take a receiver. Because then you're going to want to find yourself falling off a cliff in the next tier and your receiver one, who's really going to be a receiver two, but a low receiver two, it's just not going to match up. And you got to be able to at least match up. Even if your strong suit's going to be that running back position, you got to be able to match up a wide receiver. And when we go through these mock drafts, we're going to get into where what positions are, are really have a lot of value in different locations of the draft this year as well. But that's why I have Prescott. That's why I love where he's at. Mahomes and Lamar, I'm going to do both of these guys pretty much all at once. Um, one and two. There's not a ton to say. Uh, Lamar here, just we'll start off with him. He's number one guy. Uh, I've taken a little bit of a dip, dip in touchdowns going from 36 to 31. That's just because, look, this guy is somebody who had three five-touchdown games last year. I don't really see him having three five touchdown games again that's really hard to do I don't necessarily want to bet against them in that regard either because he's Lamar Jackson he's really good I think there's an argument to be made that his passing catchers are going to be even better this season than they were a year ago quite possibly and I also want to make an argument that I think Lamar Jackson will be even a better thrower this year than he was a season ago but I wouldn't bet on another three five touchdown performance season uh, so just based on that, you take a little bit of a dip in touchdowns and stuff like that. Still 31. And it doesn't matter with Lamar. Like, you're drafting an RB1 who also puts up QB1 numbers. Like it, it, He's a cheat code. We haven't seen a cheat code like this since Michael Vick. And for those some of you out there who are talking about, well, yeah, and Michael Vick, we would take with the number one pick in fantasy overall. Yeah, true. There's a different time in fantasy football, though. Quarterbacks in general at that time were going a lot higher, and people started to realize, you know what, the value there's just it's just not there to go that high on quarterbacks, and that includes Lamar. So that would drive that's what drives him down a little bit. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who I don't have him quite rushing for a thousand yards, but still 984 blows away the competition, six rushing touchdowns, you know, 3700 yards with the 31 passing touchdowns and this is a guy who doesn't turn over the ball a lot for as much as the ball is in his hands and he's running around he's trying to make plays he doesn't fumble a lot and he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions so if you know his league with those negative turnovers he's I mean Lamar Jackson is a wet dream when it comes to that. that's what I'm saying if you're in that third fourth round pull the trigger pull the trigger he could be a league winner for you because and at that point you should already have your core in place too Mahomes same thing look Mahomes he could be a QB one as well we know we know he can throw for 50 touchdowns plus. We know with those weapons in that team what he could do. We know he was injured last season. 
And the pace that we was on last year, though, was a little bit off. We knew there was going to be a regression. His pace was 4,600 yards and 30 touchdowns had he actually played all those games. That's not to say that he's not going to then go back the other way and go, you know, have a progression season this year, which is very likely. Look, when you come off a year where you have 50 touchdowns, just you're going to regress. We saw it happen with Peyton Manning. We saw it happen with Tom Brady when they had their record-breaking years, multiple ones between the two of those guys. It's just going to regress. It's Defense is adjust. It's just really hard to play that well for that long of a season in the NFL. But Mahomes now coming back on his contract. Tyreek Hill didn't have as many off-season issues this season. He's not starting off as or a looming suspension that didn't wind up happening. But you know, Tyreek Hill missed quite a few games last year due to a broken collarbone. That was a freak injury. We won't, we won't have to expect that again. You have, of course, you have Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now, who I do think is at least a more stable running back than Damian Williams was going into last season. Uh, Sammy Watkins, who you can roll your eyes all you want anytime you mention the name Sammy Watkins for fantasy football purposes, but this is a guy from all indications right now, from a, a mental and a physical standpoint, is in a much better place. And if he's in a much better place in those two areas and he's still going to be a guy who's going to get six to eight targets in this offense, look out. And that just enhances Patrick Mahomes. Mecole Hardman is there to catch bombs when he blows past the defense. Everything's in place. I have Mahomes leading, leading the way in touchdowns for quarterbacks this season with 36-37 and about 4,800 yards. And I think, I think that might be on the safe side. Because I only have him throwing the ball 583 times. He could easily be throwing the ball over 600 times this year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think we're projecting him at his safe side. It, would it surprise me if he went 40 touchdowns? Or would it surprise me if he went over 40 touchdowns? No. No and no. Patrick Mahomes is going to be... It, it's it's going to be very interesting to watch him this season, uh, to say the least. But I do have him at number two, just because that rushing production that you're going to get at Lamar just puts his floor so high every single week that when he does have the big touchdown passing games, you can't catch him. You're never going to score as many points as him in those situations. So that's why he winds up being the QB1. And that's really all it boils down to. That wraps up our best five quarterbacks. We're going to have our bus five for you guys on the other side. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show, a, a big-time sponsor of the show, and we do a lot with them. They're, they're a lot of fun, actually. Um, it's called Prop Me, and uh, Prop Me, they're actually a new innovative gaming platform, and what they do is that you can make prop bets on anything. You can make prop bets playing beer pong with your friends. You can make prop bets on the fly while you're watching the game, and you want to make a bet with your friend who's going to make that play. There's There's group prop bets already set up for you. It's really easy to use. It's a lot of fun. I go. I recommend you guys go ahead and check it out, propmellc.com, or just go to your favorite uh, app store, Google Play, uh, iTunes. It's available to you on there as well. So we we love prop me here. Now, talking about the bus five. Dun, 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 dun. The bus five, I feel like I always get more feedback on the bus five than I do the... Uh, the, well, the best five or the sleeper five, quite frankly, because everyone has a problem when you point out their favorite guys are going to be a bust. And especially when you have a sound argument, which we always do here, that they're going to be a bust this season. And starting off at, look, <clears throat> so I have to leave with this once again. The bust five is also a bust four. <laughs> so when you're doing rankings, typically speaking, how I try to set this up is 
I look for guys' ADPs. I can match them up to my rankings. And if I have a guy who's drastically different in one direction or another, then that's how they make the sleeper five, the best five, the bus five. That's that's how the formula goes for these shows. Because uh, I want to base this off of ADP. I want to base this off of something you're really going to be utilizing uh, in your drafts and you know your stats. You're gonna you're gonna want to use for against going up against your guys. Um, so I want to make sure it actually makes sense. And with quarterbacks this year, my rankings and the ADP were all pretty close. And I couldn't find five quarterbacks that I could actually sit there and say, yeah, I think you're going to be a bust this year. I couldn't find five. I found four. I couldn't quite find that fifth one. There was nobody I felt that strongly enough about that I was really that different than the ADP was in the first place. And that's, that's the point. I want to show you what the value is, where we differ, and why. Um, so starting with number four is it's a it's <laughs> I shouldn't say it's a weak one, but it's it's just a it's a example of the ADP and the ranking not being the same. Although at the end of the day, this guy is still going to have value for you if you do take him. I'm not trying to say that he doesn't, but my number four bust would be Deshaun Watson. Now, before you start saying whoa 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 whoa. Just listen, Deshaun Watson, I have him ranked as QB9. So I'm still saying he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. I'm not saying that if you take this guy, he's going to lose you your league. He's not going to be a bust on that level. But the reason why I'm saying he's going to be a bust is ADP is at 6. And his ADP being at 6 would suggest to you that you should be taking this guy somewhere between the 6th and the 8th rounds, maybe maybe the ninth round, maybe, depending on if, if you're on a league where everybody waits for quarterback, maybe he would last that long. That's what it's telling me. What I'm telling you is that you should be waiting until the 10th round or later. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, look, he lost DeAndre Hopkins. Now, everyone wants to make this claim that seems to think that Deshaun Watson is still going to be just fine because he's just going to run more. And they're going to throw all the time. They're going to be terrible on defense. There's so much volume. And Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson... I love Deshaun Watson. Ask anybody. I'm a big fan of him as a player. But he's not always the most efficient. He doesn't always make the best decisions. And you took away his safety blanket. You took away his bread and butter. I like Brandon Cooks. I like Will Fuller. I could care less about Kenny Stills. But I like those other two guys. But we know Will Fuller playing 16-game season. It's not It's not in the cards. We know Brandon Cooks. There's... There's some concerns if he can play 16-game season anymore after all the concussion issues that he had last season. Those are good wide receivers when they're on the field. But then you have the X factor of Bill O'Brien as a play caller. And I talked about this. We had an interview with uh, Stephanie Stradley of the Houston Chronicle earlier this offseason. If you didn't catch that, you can always check that out on on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, uh, anywhere you like to go for the MDC Football Show and the favorite podcast app and replay that. And we talked about our trepidations with Bill O'Brien as a play caller, not putting his guys in the best positions to succeed uh, all the time and playing maddeningly at times not to lose and not being aggressive when he should be and kind of holding Deshaun Watson back from a production standpoint. And all those things kind of come in the factor. Look, he didn't get an upgrade. He got a downgrade as far as weapons go with DeAndre Hopkins. So this idea that he's somehow going to be able to statistically outperform what he's done in the past, I don't understand that that logic. It makes no sense. So if he's not going to be able to outperform that, well, then you're saying that he's going to have to run a ton. But I have him for rushing for 442 yards and five touchdowns. That's along his top career highs. He still winds up as QB9 for me. This is a guy who hasn't thrown for more than 30 touchdowns 
in his career. This is a guy who flirts with the 4,000-yard line but doesn't actually go over it very often, and I have him falling 15 yards short this season. Brandon Cooks wasn't an upgrade. Will Fuller is still the same guy. Kenny Stills is still the same guy. Randall Cobb is still the same guy. So what are we talking about? That is what I don't understand. So when it comes to Sean Watson, I think he's going to be very good. I think he's a guy who's going to have a floor because he has that rushing ability every single week, and I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. But I'm not taking him between round six and nine. I don't think the value's there. I don't think there's a big difference between Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, who I have ranked behind him. Carson Wentz is going in, in he's going back in the 11th, 12th rounds, 13th rounds right now in some drafts. There's no difference between the two. So, all right, we shouldn't say there's no difference. I think there's a small difference between the two this year. So why would I jump for Deshaun Watson? And I think it's just, it's just, again, that's just more of a testament to the value thing. Deshaun Watson's not going to lose you the league. If you take Deshaun Watson in the sixth, between the sixth and the ninth rounds, he's not going to be the reason you lose. So he's not a bust in that sense. But he's a guy who I think is just being overvalued at the moment. My number three bust is Josh Allen. I love the shit on this guy. Absolutely love the shit on this guy. But even though I love the shit on this guy as much as I possibly do, I'm not crazy low on him, but he is my number three bust. And the reason for that is his ADP is quarterback seven. That's too high. He doesn't belong in the top ten. We're talking about a guy who's so inaccurate. He does. He has not fifty-eight percent completion percentage, and that was his best. And I'm not just talking about his best in the NFL. That was his best in college. Fifty-eight percent is pathetic at the NFL level. I don't care that he got Stephon Diggs didn't suddenly make him a more accurate quarterback. And if you think Stephon Diggs had problems with Kirk Cousins last year, not getting the ball enough in that offense, what's going to look like this year when he has to sit there and look at Josh Allen like, oh, yeah, that throw was nowhere near me? What do you think is going to happen then? The addition of Stephon Diggs, while it's an upgrade in weapons, yes. For Josh Allen, an upgrade in weapons doesn't matter because he can't get the ball side of a barn anyway. I am so... Thoroughly unimpressed with his quarterback skills. It's ridiculous. Now, is he an athlete? Is he a playmaker? Yeah. We all know that. That's why he has any fantasy value to begin with. That's why I still have him at QB 13, even though I hate this guy. Because at the end of the day, you still have to project him for six to seven rushing touchdowns. You have to project him for over 500 rushing yards. Because that's what's going to happen with Josh Allen. You know that's what you're going to get. So you're going to have a floor. But I got him at 13. Not seven. I'm not taking him to top 10 of quarterbacks. This is a guy who should be going in the territory of the Matthew Staffords, of the Jared Goffs, of the Cam Newtons. That's the area he should be going. Late in drafts, he should be the quarterback that you're taking when you decide to punt at the position altogether and wait till the very end of the draft to take one. That's where he should be going. Not, not in the top 10 rounds. Not as a guy who should be an anchor at your quarterback position because that's what, that's what he needs to be. If you're going in the top 10 rounds, you have to be the anchor. You have to be the only one. He sh- you should be able to plug and play that guy every single week and not feel the need to have to go out there and pick up another quarterback so you can save that roster spot. Because if you're taking quarterback in the top 10 rounds, that means you don't want to waste another roster spot for the rest of the season. So other than his bye week, you shouldn't feel the need to have to take this guy out. That's not going to be the case with Josh Allen. That's not going to be the case with Josh Allen. And while he's always going to have a floor because of the rushing ability, he doesn't have a ceiling because his passing his passing production is just it's not going to be there. 
58% completion percentage. 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. I'm I'm projecting him a little bit better for touchdowns. I'll give you that. 21, but 14 interceptions. Because when you look at his interceptable throws, he was towards the bottom half of the league, which means he should have had a lot more picks last year than what he wound up doing, being that he was more lucky than good in that category. And usually those type of things will play themselves out the following year. So that's the problem that you're looking at here. I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen. I don't understand why his ADP is in the seven. There's a lot of people who love him as top 10 quarterback, and I don't get it. This is not a guy who has shown me anything to make me feel like he's going to make this big jump from year two to year three. That you look for in some quarterbacks where they just take their, their fundamentals, their talent to the next level. He has no fundamentals. And I didn't see any indication of why he would suddenly get him going into this season. I haven't heard anything about an extra hard off-season workout, focusing on fundamental throwing, focusing on footwork. Haven't heard anything like that. And that's usually what you'll hear with guys who are looking to make that big jump. I didn't hear that with Josh Allen. So, again, is he going to lose your league? No, I have him at QB 13, meaning I have him at the top end of the QB 2s, just outside QB 1s. So, again, this is another bust I'm talking about. He's not going to be responsible for, for losing your league. But again, he's just going to be overvalued. Plain and simple. Number two, Daniel Jones. Now, I really thought going into the fall season, you know, going going once football season was over up in February after the Super Bowl, I really thought all offseason long I was going to hear how Daniel Jones should be a QB1. I actually was surprised that I didn't. And pleasantly surprised. He's still getting overvalued. His ADP is still 16. I have him ranked at QB23. I still hear a lot of people who say they want to take Daniel Jones, maybe if they're taking quarterbacks late or as a top streamer option. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I shouldn't be drafting Daniel Jones, that's for sure. Can I completely argue against you if you want to be like, well, he's going to be a streamer option at some point in the season? No, I can't completely argue against you with that one because let's start off with week one. If you actually have a healthy Sterling Shepard, a healthy Golden Tate, a healthy Evan Ingram with Darius Slayton and Saquon Barkley out there on the field all at the same time, which is something that did not happen at any point last season, you have a lot of weapons where even if you're a crappy quarterback, you might fall ass backwards to big games. And we saw big games out of Daniel Jones last season. Now, they weren't as consistent as people seem to try to make out. Like, oh, we saw big games out of him. We all saw a lot of shitty games out of him. But Daniel Jones has a lot of talent around him. He's going to have matchups where he's going to be able to take advantage of that. So can I argue he's not going to be a streaming option? No, he, he is going to be a streaming option at, at different points. But I have him at QB 23. 
This is not a guy who's going to throw for 4,000 yards. I have him about 25 touchdowns, and I think that's actually projecting his ceiling, quite frankly, when it comes to passing touchdowns. He is a guy who's going to turn over the ball more. And while last year interceptions wasn't his big woes, I have him projected for 12 this year. Fumbles was his big woes last year. I have him for 13 fumbles this year. I think that might be being conservative after the rate of which he was fumbling the ball a season ago. But he's also another quarterback that we talk about, like the Gardner Minshews of the world, like we just talked about with Josh Allen, that was more lucky than good in that category and should have been towards the bottom half bottom tier of the league, I should say, when it comes to interceptions, because that's kind of interceptable throws that he was he was making out there. So there's there's definitely an argument to be made that we're going to see an uptick in interceptions out of him this season. Now, 12 isn't horrible. 12 is about the average. But still, you play in those leagues with negative points. You have a guy who's not going to get you to 30 touchdowns or to 4,000 yards, getting you double-digit interceptions. That winds up being a problem in fantasy football purposes. And while Jones has a little bit mobility to his game, he's not. We're not. We're not talking about a guy who's a true dual threat out here. 250 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's probably as safe as as reasonable as it can be. There's just not a lot of upside here. Jason Garrett, guys. Jason Garrett's not aggressive. Never has been, never will be. So this idea that suddenly Daniel Jones is going to go off under Jason Garrett, this idea that somehow Jason Garrett's a better coordinator than Pat Shermer blows my mind. For Saquon, maybe. Because Saquon's going to get volume come hell or high water. But Pat Sher- we saw Pat Shermer turn Case Keenum into a thing. We've seen him do great with, with bad quarterbacks in the past. If Daniel Jones... I thought Daniel Jones played well because of Matt Shermer at times as well, too. Jason Garrett doesn't bring the best out of his guys. Prescott's been good, but Prescott took his next step last year when they brought in Kellen Moore and handed the playbook to him. Tony Romo was good. He's never great. Never unleashed. Think he's going to unleash Daniel Jones? No. Not going to happen. The only thing that Daniel Jones has going for him to possibly prove me wrong is that that defense is going to be terrible again. Without a doubt. That defense is going to be very, very bad for the second year in a row. And, you know, just because of that, they might have to have some added volume earlier in games and play catch-up more often than not. And that might boost his fantasy value a little bit higher than what I have it currently. But we're still not talking about a high ceiling here. Talking about a guy who has an above average arm. We're talking about a guy who there's just there's nothing special about his talent. He's not overly accurate. He's not so mentally sharp that he can read defenses left and right. Doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not overly mobile. He's okay to above average in a lot of different categories. There's nothing special about this guy. And if you put something that's nothing special compare uh, uh, and not compared but matched up with a Jason Garrett, well, he's not going to overachieve in that situation, and that's what you need him to do. So Jane Jones is somebody that, look, is there going to be a matchup against the Redskins a couple times a year? Or, excuse me, Washington. That's going to take some getting used to. Uh, Washington, that he's going to be able to take advantage of? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to happen a couple times out of the year. But other than streaming him, and even when he has those matchups, I don't know how confident I'm going to be unless I know all the weapons are healthy, which is something that's been another issue for this team, especially recently, especially at the receiving core. Now, my number one bust is Baker Mayfield. 
Baker Mayfield, his ADP is 14. I, shocking to me. I can't believe, I can't believe that Baker Mayfield's ADP is 14. I thought for sure, you want to talk about guys like Daniel Jones, I was pleasantly surprised, wasn't getting as much hype as I thought he was going to. I am shocked with all the people that have been crapping on Baker Mayfield all off season long. That's this guy is an ADP of 14. You're, you're telling me he's one of the top QB twos. You're telling me at the very least, he's one of the top streaming options. Maybe a guy you might even think about drafting later in your drafts. Why? What was Kirk Cousins last year? He threw the ball 466 times. It's a question mark if Baker Mayfield's even going to throw the ball 500 times this season. I have him as my QB 25, and I have him for 503 attempts. It's not a lot of volume. It's not enough things there. And Baker Mayfield has shown that he's interception prone. I got him for 15 picks, 26 touchdowns. Not quite 4,000 yards. Does he have Odell Beckham? Yeah. Does he have Jarvis Landry? Yeah. But Jarvis Landry's not going to start, even if he starts week one, there's a real question mark as to how healthy he's really going to be to start off this season. This is a run-first team. Now, could Baker wind up being more efficient in his NFL play than what we saw a season ago? Yeah, but that's going to mostly be because he's going to have the ball taken out of his hands in this new system. It's not going to, The offense isn't going to run through Baker Mayfield. The offense is going to run through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's who the offense is going to run through. It's not going to run through Baker. So will he play more efficiently? Will will he look better from an NFL standpoint in this offense? Yeah, quite possibly. But from a fantasy standpoint, he's not going to have a lot of volume. He's going to be asked to play it more safe than anything else. I couldn't believe his ADP was 14. Who's who's confident about Baker Mayfield heading to the season that he has any type of ceiling whatsoever? Just volume alone, he doesn't have a ceiling to be a QB 14. I don't, I don't even know if this guy's a streamer option. Kirk Cousins was pretty useless in fantasy purposes. And even like the couple of big fantasy weeks that he did have when he finished a QB1, you didn't play him those weeks. You didn't know they were coming. And it wasn't like he played as a... He wasn't a horrible NFL quarterback last year, but it, just, it was just the way that offense set up. Why is that different with the Browns? Once again, with a new coordinator... He's going into his third year with his third with with third new head coach, third new coordinator. That takes a toll on a quarterback. It's hard to learn to play a new playbook every single year and never get a chance to have any kind of continuity. And like I said, while this system may help them play more efficiently on the offensive side of the ball, it doesn't put the ball in Baker's hands. It takes it out of Baker's hands. So I don't understand why, for fantasy purposes, he suddenly has this. This QB 14 ceiling, he, he, there's no chance in hell Baker Mayfield throws 30 touchdowns this season. None. Zero. So how can he How can he sniff QB 14 when you already know he's not going to throw the ball a lot, which means he's probably not even going to go for 4,000 yards, and we're not talking about a scrambling quarterback here. So he doesn't make up for it in that way. We're talking about a team that should have a good defense. So I don't, I don't this should be a lot better of a defense than they were last season. I think they're, your young guys are ready to take a step up. I don't see a lot of games where they're going to have to come back from behind. And they're already going to be playing ball control in the first half, at least, if not the entire game anyway. Nothing sets up for Baker Mayfield to have a ceiling at all this year. So that's why he's my number one bust. I couldn't believe he was QB 14. Now, before we go ahead and get into the sleepers, which is usually the most exciting part of this show, 
I got another sponsorship for you guys to check out. And these guys are a big one, especially for making your leagues a lot better. And that is Trophy Smack. Now, Trophy Smack, man, they have a great offer that they're allowing us to give to you guys that we're really excited about to be able to do um, because they have a lot of great products. And with Trophy Smack, you can commemorate your league in the best possible way. Remember, when you sign up and you use the promo code BELLYUP, you can get a free trophy and ring. And you can get trophies and rings and belts or whatever you need for your leagues. So go check out trophysmack.com and see what you can get today. It really makes your league special. It really takes that home league of yours to the next level of excitement. Trust me. A lot of people, a lot of great feedback for that. So now the talk of the show, the, the, the sleeper segment. This is what everyone lives for. How can I best my opponent and pull off a guy that no one's thinking about or taking late and be able to pull one over on you? And now this is where we're going to talk about one of the quarterbacks from my best five. And I wanted to save it for here. And that's Drew Brees. He's my number five quarterback, and he's also my number five sleeper. The reason for that is his ADP is at nine, and I have him ranked five. And again, like we've talked about, if you're, you know, you're talking about a guy who nine, if you're, if you're QB nine, you're talking about a guy who's around that mm, somewhere eighth, tenth round type of area, I'm okay with taking Drew Brees in the seventh round. I'm okay with taking Drew Brees in the sixth round. Drew Brees is going to be a number five quarterback to me this season. And everyone, he said, well, his yards has been declining. This has been declining. Yeah. You know what hasn't been declining? His touchdowns. You know what got better this year? His offensive weapons. Emmanuel Sanders, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders real quick. People seem to want to make this narrative that Emmanuel Sanders is done, and I'm not, I'm not understanding it at all. Done? Is he the game breaker that he was a few years ago? No, but this is a very savvy veteran wide receiver who's a very trustworthy, reliable target to go to, and by far, head and shoulders, no question about it, is the best number two receiver the Saints have had in a really long time. This is a guy who came off an Achilles injury early and was playing on a team that was going to it was number one receiver on a team going to the Super Bowl last season. This is a guy who I think could be better than what he was physically from last year because he's a year removed from that Achilles injury. And now you have somebody to take away attention from Michael Thomas and able to take away attention from Alvin Kamara. You know what that does to the offense? You give Drew Brees even more easy reads. He could pick a part of defense. Now, he might not be able to lace it down the field anymore. But if you give him an area where he knows where to throw the ball, where he knows he's going to be able to hit his guy and he has easy reads all over the field, he's going to pick you apart. He's still really accurate. He's still one of the smartest guys out there. And that's why I have him number five. The big thing for me is that I have him getting about 33 to 34 touchdowns. That's the big thing. And then you complement that with the fact that I think he's only got six or seven interceptions. This is not a guy who throws a lot of interceptions. A little bit, about 4,200 yards. I think that's a safe projection for Drew Brees, and that puts him right there at number five. 539 attempts. I'm not telling you that he has to throw the ball 600 times in order to reach those numbers either. This offense has been humming the past few years. The thing that they've been missing is that backside target receiver, that guy that they can go to take some attention away from the other ones. Or if the defenses are going to lock on the Michael Thomas and are going to lock on the Alvin Kamara, now you have somebody who can actually make them pay for doing that. That's huge. Huge. Emmanuel Sanders, second year with Jared Cook. 
Yeah, I love me some Drew Brees this year. Now, if I take Drew Brees, am I going to be remiss in not mentioning that it might be a good idea to take another quarterback or be ready to stream somebody in certain matchups when he's on the road? Yeah. There's still that home road split. It wasn't as bad last year. It wasn't as significant last year, but there is still a home road split that can get really annoying, especially when you get into pivotal moments throughout your fantasy season. So yes, there. even though I have him as a top five quarterback, and I had already talked to you guys about the fact that if you take a guy in the top you know, eight rounds at least, that means you want to be able to just have that one quarterback every single week. And I think overall you're going to be able to do that with Drew Brees, which is why I don't have a problem putting him number five, but I will say he's the one guy who I have in that top range where I don't rule out the idea of having quarterback ready to go in certain weeks when I'm looking down the road. Now, if he's going to play Carolina on the road, I'm playing I'm playing Drew Brees. I'm going to play Tampa Bay on the road, I'm playing Drew Brees. I'm going to play Atlanta on the road, I'm playing Drew Brees. Anybody within that division, there's no issues there. But when we start to get in some of these tougher matchups and they're away, that's when I'll question whether or not how much you're really going to want to play Drew Brees that week. That's the only caveat that I will throw in there with Drew Brees having him at number five. But I think he's going to shock some people. I think this offense is going to shock some people. Number four, Sleeper. This is another guy that, well, no one hates Drew Brees. I shouldn't say it's another guy that everybody hates. But this is a guy that a lot of people seem to hate. That's Jared Goff. Jared Goff is my number four sleeper. Guys, yes, the Rams had a bad offensive year last year. It didn't look anything like what we're used to seeing. There's a lot of questions about Sean McVay. What happened to him? Can that offensive line, the offensive line not improving? Are they going to be able to figure some stuff out? Are they going to be able to get better? Are the adjustments they made towards the end of the season something they're going to be able to do this year? Are they going to be more of a run team? A lot of questions when it comes up to with the Rams. But this is still a very good offensive mind in Sean McVay. This is still a good off offense in general with good weapons, with Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup, with Tyler Higby, with Gerald Everett, with you know, between Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, and Darrell Henderson. While fantasy wise, those guys might be a nightmare, that's a good little running back crew to have if you're an NFL team. And that's where I'm not really overly concerned about that. So yeah, Jared Goff. I have him ranked at QB 17th. So I'm still telling you that I think he's more of a streaming option type of quarterback. I'm not going crazy here. And his ADP is not super far off. It's 19. But the reason why I put him as a number four sleeper is I think he's going to be a streaming option more times than not. He's going to be that guy that I think you can plug and play, pick up, especially if you're going to be a guy waiting until maybe round 16, round 15 to take your quarterback, your first one, because you just know you're going to be streaming. Goff has a higher ceiling than a lot of guys in that territory. And I, I have him ranked around the Ryan Tannehills, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Jimmy Garoppolo's. I think he has a higher ceiling than those guys do. Because that offense that we saw last year was as bad as it can really get. And look, he had 4,600 yards and 22 touchdowns and finishes the QB 13 last season. And again... That was as bad as I think that offense can get. And he still wound up finishing okay. QB 13. That means you were you were viable in quite a few weeks last year. You went to QB 1, but you were viable. So as bad as he looked, as bad as that offense was, he still wasn't that bad for fantasy purposes. And that's why I think he has a ceiling that a lot of people aren't talking about and aren't recognizing or acknowledging. And that's why I like Jerichoff, especially in that situation. 
as not drafting him, but as a streamer, this is somebody I think you should keep your eye on. This is somebody I think has a ceiling that he could, he could really outproduce. His, not just his ADP, but I think there's a good shot he could outproduce where I have him ranked as well. So just keep that in mind. That offense, even if that offensive line is as bad as it was last year, and it, and it might be because I, I can't believe it, but they really didn't do anything to improve it. It still should be a more efficient offense than what it was a season ago. It's going to be hard for them to be that bad again, I think. Now, my number three sleeper. He is the rookie with all the hype. Mr. Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, here's a caveat with Joe Burrow, and I've heard other people talk about this. And I want to make sure MD Nation is aware as well. If your plan is that Joe Burrow is going to be the guy that you draft as that late-round quarterback and you decide to wait... Um, you better be drafting him as your second quarterback because you're not going to want to play him against the Chargers week one, not with that top flight defense. Now, the Chargers later on in the season, will he be a top flight defense? I don't know. I don't have him. I, I, you can check out my rankings on bellyupfantasysports.com to see where I have them ranked at. I think that reflects where they're going to finish up at the end. And the reason I don't I don't know is because this is a defense that has gotten hurt in the past. They don't have a lot of depth. But going into week one, this should be a pretty healthy defense. And when this defense is healthy, the talent they now have between pass rushing and the secondary and guys who can stuff the run, they're going to be scary. They're going to be a top flight defense while they're healthy. So I don't know how much I want to play Joe Burrow in his week one action and his rookie season in a rookie year in which nobody's gotten to practice nearly as much as they do normally do. I don't know how much you're going to play him week one. So that's the why I say if you, if with Joe Burrow, even though he's one of my top sleepers, you can't draft him as your late quarterback guy where you're like, you might be streaming otherwise, or you think you might've gotten a steal. You're, you're going to have to take somebody else or be willing to stream somebody else for that week one matchup. It's the only, the only caveat I have there. I have him ranked. Uh, as QB 20, his ADP is about QB 20. And while QB 20 in itself doesn't sound like a lot, first of all, I think it reflects how many quarterbacks are actually in a pretty good position to produce at a pretty good rate this year. I think you're going to, you know, last year was the running back year. You didn't see great production on a lot of quarterbacks. You didn't see great production out of a lot of receivers, especially. I think you're going to see the exact opposite this year. This year is setting up to be a quarterback receiver year, without a doubt. Um, so because of that, there's a lot of quarterbacks who I think are set up to produce kind of well when you really start to dive into these numbers. And that's why Joe Burrow winds up at QB 20. But while he's at QB 20, I recognize fully that this guy has potential to be, you know, in the top 13, I would say. You have AJ Green, you have John Ross, you have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe Mixon, you have a healthier, young, improving offensive line, and you have Zach Taylor, which we know if he runs that Sean McVay type of system, he has the pieces that he needs for that to be a young-looking Rams offense from a couple years ago. All those pieces are in place. And I would argue in some situations, they might even be more talented in certain areas. So And Joe Burrow, his skill set fits that system to a T because his skill set is pounding the intermediate area of the field over and over and over again. Not necessarily launching it deep all time, not thinking dunking it. That 10 to 15 yards, that's where he attacks, 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 attacks. This team, schematically and personnel-wise, is set up to do exactly that. Exactly that. 
The big key, of course, is going to be how healthy is A.J. Green going to be. If he can be healthy and be that wide receiver one that we all know he is when he is healthy, well, then sky's the limit for this offense, sky's the limit for Joe Burrow. Now, for a realistic expectation, I have him for about 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns this year. I have him rushing for about 200 yards, but that's going to be the key right there. I definitely think I'm projecting his floor when it comes to his rushing yards because remember, uh, he's a pretty good, he's a pretty mobile mobile guy. He's a pretty mobile quarterback. He can move. He can move the chains with his legs. And he's a pretty big guy. So while I have him for about three rushing touchdowns, it wouldn't surprise me if he has potential for five. That's going to be the key for his fantasy value. Not just what can you do because you have weapons in your rookie season as a quarterback, but the fact that you're more mobile than people give you credit for or maybe just recognize in general. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And you had the potential to get those five rushing touchdowns. You had the potential to get maybe three to 400 yards rushing. You can't necessarily project that with him with the way the system sets up with him going into his rookie season and what type of quarterback he really wants to be, which is a pocket passer. But he has the ability to do that if the cards were on the table for him to do so. That's where he gets interesting. That's where he makes my sleeper territory. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe Burrow came in, lit up for 4,500 yards. And this is coming from a guy who was two at first. I am all about Tagalavoa being the best quarterback in this draft class and, and being better than Joe Burrow. But just the system he wound up in, the situation he's in, I think it just fits him to a T, and therefore I think success is in the cars for him this season. And you know, let's face it, he's also a guy that if you do take him, you're, you're, it's not costing you anything. So you have nothing to lose, and you have a guy who I truly think has top 13 potential this season. Number two, Teddy Bridgewater. Talk about a controversial guy, and really depending on what, what side of the aisle you're on when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. I have Teddy Bridgewater at QB 14. His ADP is an ass nine, ridiculous, way too low QB 27. Guys, 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 you cannot love DJ Moore the way that you do. Love Christian McCaffrey the way that you do. Love Curtis Samuel the way that you do. Love Robbie Anderson the way that you do. Love Ian Thomas the way that you do. The way that most of the industry does. And then sit there and tell me that Teddy Bridgewater is QB 27. Those two things can't coexist. It can't happen. He can't be a crappy quarterback and all of those guys have fantasy value. Those two things cannot be true. So either you're admitting you're way too high on those weapons or you are not giving Teddy Bridgewater any credit whatsoever. Now, do I have concerns about Teddy Bridgewater being aggressive enough and pushing the ball down the field? Yes, you have to have those concerns because we haven't seen him do it in a really long time. Having said that, he's been in situations where he's been asked to be the game manager, asked to be more conservative. Last year, all he had to do was hold down the fort until Drew Brees came back. So what are you going to do in that process with, the, with that talented Saints team? All you're pretty much telling Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater to do in that situation is don't lose us the game. 
coming back off of that freak injury, you want to play conservatively. You want to get back into a rhythm. You're not going to go out there and let it fly all over the field. But this was a guy before he got injured who really looked primed to take his game to the next level with the Minnesota Vikings before that nasty injury happened. This is a guy who I think has proven time and time again that he's definitely an NFL-competent quarterback. So if you're going to take an NFL-competent quarterback, put him with all those weapons, and then put him with Matt Roll and Joe Brady, who everybody loves from Joe Burrow at LSU last year, and you're going to love everything else about this Carolina offense, then you have to recognize that Teddy Bridgewater has a ceiling that nobody's giving him credit for right now. And that's why I have him at QB 14. And I'm not even as high on those other weapons as a lot of people are. Especially DJ Moore. And we're going to get into that when we get into the wide receivers. Uh, best five, bus five, sleeper five. I'm going to have a lot of people dropping their jaws on that one. You know, little teaser alert for you guys there. But I still think they're good weapons. I still think Joe Brady runs a good offensive system. So how's Teddy Bridgewater going to fall that far? There's no way. There's no way. Here's the other thing about Teddy Bridgewater. He's more mobile than I think people realize. Now, how aggressive is he going to be using his legs? I do not know. This is his first starting opportunity he's had since Minnesota, since the injury happened. That may may cause him to want to be more conservative when it comes to running football. Even though he got hurt. When he got hurt, he got hurt in the pocket. It wasn't from running. But, but it's still going to be there it's still within his repertoire it's still within his skill set and i have him projected for 330 yards and three rushing touchdowns and that gives him another little boost will i draft teddy bridgewater probably not but is he going to be one of the top guys on my sleeper list is he going to be a guy that i think is worth valuing if you want to take a quarterback with your last pick in the draft because you know you're going to stream anyway yeah Carolina Panthers' defense is going to be horrendous. They're going to have to throw the football this season. You brought in all those offensive minds. They're there to do one thing. They gave Teddy Bridgewater a decent contract. They believe in this guy. And with Joe Brady, he's already somewhat familiar with the system because it is a derivative of Sean Payton's offense. I don't understand how his ADP can be QB 27. I don't get it. Not when you're not not when everybody else on that team is ranked as high as they are for fantasy purposes. It doesn't make any sense. So that's why Teddy Bridgewater is my number two. My number one is Cam Newton. Now his ADP may still be kind of in flux at the moment because people are still getting used to the idea of, of Cam being on the Patriots and are still drafting off of that and we still hasn't quite caught up yet. We're pretty much almost caught up. And right now his ADP is 23. I have a QB 12. So for 12-man leagues, I'm telling you that I think Cam Newton is a bottom-tier QB 1. And it's for one reason and one reason only. He and the Patriots have nothing to lose by running him into the ground. Nothing to lose. Now, it's a little bit weird right now with the Bengals Patriots because of how many guys have been opting out. And then, you know, losing Cannon, that's a big loss. Um, especially when it comes to the rushing game, which I think is going to be a big part of their identity this season. Losing Dan Vitale, the fullback, they use him quite a bit. He opens up a lot of holes. Losing him was kind of a big deal. Um, so there are some concerns right now with the Patriots. But what I envision for them to do, and what I'm pretty sure they're going to do, first of all, yes, there's a lot of talk about they're not handing Camden the job. Fine. That I don't think that changes anything in my mind that Cam Newton's not going to not be the starter come week one. He is. 
But in my mind, I see them copying the Ravens to some degree, not totally, but copying the Ravens to some degree where they're pretty much just going to use their quarterback as an extra running back who can throw the ball because you have nothing to lose. You're not paying Cam Newton anything. His entire contract is basically incentive-laced. So you have nothing to fear when it comes to Cam Newton. Nothing to fear. Run, 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 run. And I only have him projected for 12 games. And I still have him finishing his QB 12 because that's how much I think he's going to run. I have him for about 400 yards and four touchdowns. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but remember, I have him projected for 12 games. I don't have him projected for 16 like, like most of the other quarterbacks on here. So that means if he lasts 16 games, I'm talking six to 700 yards. I'm talking six to eight touchdowns for the season, just rushing. Just rushing. I think that's the pace that he's going to be on. And then you still have some okay weapons. You still have Edelman. We'll see what Nikhil Harry is able to do going into the second season, if he's able to stay more healthy. They don't really have a deep threat. You have Mohamed Sanu. You got a little dink and dunk guys, little blanket guys. But I don't think that's a bad thing when it comes to Cam Newton because, frankly, and I've talked about this a million times, I don't think Cam Newton's shoulder can handle him throwing the ball deep anymore. I don't think he has velocity anymore. So to be forced to a situation where he kind of has to dink and dunk, that's going to have to be Cam Newton. And he's not the most accurate quarterback, and sometimes it's going to get him in trouble, but he has gotten better at that as he's had to because it's been a couple years now since he's lost that velocity. It's been a couple years now since he's really been able to be a deep field quarterback. And he's had to kind of get used to checking the ball down. Checking the ball down James White. Checking the ball down Julian Edelman. Checking the ball down to Muhammad Sanu. The only guy he's not going to check the ball down to would be Nikhil Harry on the outside. But I think they're going to run an offense that's going to be just tailor-made for him to use his legs, use RPOs off of that. And kind of, like I said, I think they're going to run something similar to the Baltimore Ravens. And that's going to make Cam a fantasy asset. And with him being an ADP of 23, and I'm telling you that I see a clear path for this guy to finish as a top 12 quarterback, even without playing 16 games. That's why he's my number one sleeper. I love me some Cam this year, especially if you're taking quarterbacks late. I feel like if I take Cam in the 15th round and I didn't take a quarterback the entire draft, I'm like, I still felt like I wound up with the QB1. I love the way my, t- my team looks as a result of that. W- is he a QB one that you're probably going to have to get a second guy for at some point during the season, whether it's due to injury or you know just bad matchups? Yeah, for sure. But he's costing you nothing right now, this ADP being 23. That wraps it up for the best five, bus five, sleeper five. But before we get out of here, our very first, as promised, mailbag segment... Oh, I'm so happy to finally be doing this. I'm so happy to finally have this. So happy to finally give back to you guys and have you guys contacting it and really being able to interact. It's been a long time. This is one of my favorite parts of the show to be able to do that. And I'm I'm just I'm glad that we're back doing it. I'm glad that we have you guys uh back asking us questions as I try to fool around with my background here. This is why you need a producer. This is the hard part. If you're doing a podcast and you're by yourself. It's times like these that it becomes aggravating. And for you, those of you not watching the stream or just watching the po- or listening to the podcast right now, I have my my screen behind me is uh, giving me a little bit of trouble here. You can kind of see it in the shot, but what are you what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so we went on Twitter. We got a few questions from there. We got a few questions from Facebook. Uh, we didn't have any. We didn't have any guys calling the uh, MD Nation hotline. It was a little disappointing. 
because uh, I do want to get you guys actually heard on air. I think it's a good opportunity for people to really get their voices heard on the show for them, and I, I feel like people would would really like that opportunity to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, you guys, make sure when you call, call the MD Nation hotline, 609 uh, 362-2480, and we'll get you on that way. But for today, we do have some questions to go over. Now, we're just going to do some three questions because the show went kind of long. But we got Houston Wenzel from Twitter. He's asking me, Waller or Gasicki? Now, he doesn't specify whether it's half point, full point, standard, whatever the case may be. So we're just going to base this off of half point between these two. And I've been pretty vocal on one of these guys, mostly uh, Gasicki here. And that is because I don't like what I'm seeing. Now, there's some changes that have I haven't been able to reflect in my rankings just yet on bellyupfantasysports.com. But losing Albert Wilson, losing Alan Hearn, some of those receivers going down, it does open up the door a bit more for Mike Gusecki to possibly use as that like fourth receiver rather than a tight end. Because that's the big thing. Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey is the big reason why I have had the issues that I have had with the idea of Mike Gusecki really being able to go off this season, really being able to be that sleeper guy that everybody uh, expects him or thinks he could possibly be. And I have a real I have a real issue with that because Chan Gailey has never had a productive tight end. He doesn't have an offense that revolves around getting the tight end involved and at all. Now, my caveat to that has been, my only caveat to that this entire time has been, if he uses Mike Isicki more as a split-out wide receiver and doesn't try to use him as a tight end so much, then that could go out the window. But the only time we've seen Mike Gusecki play well in the NFL is when Preston Williams went down and you had a team that was throwing the ball 75% of the time because they didn't have an NFL-competent running back and they were detrailing every single game in the first quarter. I don't think that's going to be the case. One, they have two NFL-competent running backs, number one, so it's not going to be a 75-25 split as far as run-pass ratio goes this season. Preston Williams is back in healthy. Devontae Parker, of course, you still have him. So I don't think it, and you're dealing with Chad Gailey who doesn't utilize his tight end. So I don't think it automatically sets up for Mike Kosicki to get the targets that he was getting last season. And that's the only time we've seen him play well. Up until that point, he has been fantasy, a fantasy zero. He's given you nothing. And I think that was more by default circumstances than it had to do with Mike Kosicki finally taking the next step to being a superstar. Yeah, he's got some athletic ability. But I think he's a better athlete than a tight end. And I've said that before. That's why I have, I have Darren Waller with number five tight end overall, first and foremost. So that's why I haven't even mentioned him because to me it's a no brainer. Mike Gusecki is my tight end eighteen or tight end seven, uh, tight end eighteen, yeah, tight end eighteen, right behind T.J. Hawkinson. I think it's where he belongs. Darren Waller, my number five guy. I know there's some question marks. How many touchdowns he's going to score is a little bit disheartening. What we saw last year, but we know he's going to get targeted. We know he's a glorified wide receiver at that offense. And with the addition of Henry Ruggs with his speed, you know, Tyra Williams maybe being more healthy throughout this season this year, getting Brian Edwards, who I think is a nice little pickup. I think you're going to see some more openness for Darren Waller, and they're already talking about how they want to use Henry Ruggs in the slot a little bit more. If that's going to be the case, he's going to be a very different slot receiver than Hunter Renfro was. Right. Hunter Renfro is a guy who had to be closer to the line of scrimmage, had to be kind of an option, just get open, get that 5-10 to 10 yard range guy. Henry Ruggs, if he plays the slot, he's going to be the guy stretching the seam, 
where, and then Darren Waller can just kind of operate in the middle. So that's going to help Waller. And I have to believe that he's going to be better utilized in the red zone this year than he was last season. Have to believe that. It was, it was kind of one of those weird things that he didn't score as many touchdowns as he, as he should have. And I have him for 89 targets, and I have him for 68 receptions, 835 yards, and about five touchdowns. And I think that's a pretty safe estimation. That should make him tight end five on the year. So for me, hands down, is Darren Waller. I don't understand the love for Mike Gusecki there, Houston, to answer your question. Next up, we have Chris Printo from Twitter. He asked me, Calvin Ridley or DJ Chark? This is a good one. I have these two uh, closer-ish, definitely closer than Mike Gusecki and Darren Waller are. Um, and there's an argument to be made for either one. Now, I have Ridley at 26. I have DJ Chark at 28, so it's pretty close here. The big thing going for DJ Chark is that by default, he has a lot of volume headed his way. He's the number one receiver on that team, first of all, while Calvin Ridley's number two, and second of all, that Jaguar team is going to be so bad, I think they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit, and and we already know that Gardner Minshew has a rapport with, uh, I was about to say Darren Waller, has a rapport with DJ Chark, and looked to use it a lot last season. I don't see why that would not continue. Having said that, I think the Atlanta offense is going to be very, very good. And even if Calvin Ridley's not going to be the number one target, which he's not going to be, he's still going to have a lot of production being able to go his way. And remember, they don't really have a third wide receiver. Russell Gage isn't somebody who, who, who scares me taking targets away from Calvin Ridley. And if this offense in general improves, which I don't see why it wouldn't, then I I totally, completely, 100% see Calvin Ridley being a boss this year. Without a doubt. There's no there's no reason why he wouldn't be in my mind. None whatsoever. Um, so Calvin Ridley's going to be really good. And he's just going to be consistent. And there's an opportunity that he could bust out this season. He's going into year three. He's a very good wide receiver. This is usually when we see a lot of very good wide receivers have their breakout type of years. So I just think his floor is there. I think being in a better offense, he's going to have just by default more opportunities to score. I think there's going to be games where if you're comparing the two, DJ Chark is going to be taken out of some games because he's going to get you know cloud coverage in certain situations because I think he's so far ahead and shoulders, the top receiver, the Jaguars there, where that's never going to happen to Calvin Ridley because Julio Jones is always going to have the most attention on him. So Ridley's always going to have a decent matchup in his corner. And I just think the him and the Atlanta offense in general is going to be more consistent. So I would say Calvin Ridley, but it's very, very close. And I can understand going either way with that one, Chris. Last question of the night. Philippe Bureau. He asked me on Twitter, standard league, pick five in the first, first, first round. Rank Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook. Okay. So, first of all, they're all close. But if it's a standard league, not half point, not full point PPR, to me, it should be hands down Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is my number three running back when it comes to standard leagues. Just I know they lost Conklin. I know they just had an offensive lineman opt out due to the COVID situation. So I know there's some concerns there. But there's no doubt in my mind that we're talking about a guy who's going to get 300 carries this season. So the volume is going to be there. There's no doubt in my mind that we're talking about a guy who's not going to have double-digit touchdowns this season. That is why I am saying to you guys, I love me some Derrick Henry in standard leagues. Half point, full point PPR leagues, he's not up that high. 
But in standard leagues where the receptions don't necessarily matter as much, I think he has a hell of a floor just based on volume and his talent and the fact that that's going to be a run first team. And it should be a good team on top of it. Ryan Tannehill helps with that situation too. So if you're asking me which one I pick, it's going to be Derrick Henry. After that, I'm going Alvin Kamara and then Dalvin Cook. Big reason for that is I know Alvin Kamara got injured last season, but I still trust his durability over the long run when looking into this season than I do Dalvin Cooks. Dalvin Cooks, I still love me some Dalvin Cook. I would still be fine taking him in the first round, but he does scare me a little bit. I know last year everybody was like, oh, he got over the hump. You know, he was, while he missed a couple games, it didn't have anything to do with soft tissue issues, which, which is what had been his problem in the past. And my report to that is, those things can crop up at any time. It's not something you just get over. It's not something that just goes away. So I love me some Dalvin Cook. I love him the situation. I love him the offense. Like I said, if I had, a, if I'm in pick five and you know Henry Kamara, those guys are all off the board or, or pick six, I should say. I'm going to take Dalvin Cook, but not over Alvin Kamara. I trust Alvin Kamara a little bit more. I think Alvin Kamara is finally going to get over the 200 carry threshold this season. I think that offense is going to be really good. We talked about that with Drew Brees, uh, what I think Emmanuel Sanders does for that team. And that includes what his impact can be for Alvin Kamara, taking some attention away from him. I think you're going to see an Alvin Kamara with a chip on his shoulder. We're getting close contract year. This is getting close to the time he's going to need to get paid. This should be the year Alvin Kamara breaks out to another level. And I think we'll actually get some more volume, especially when it comes to carries. So to answer your question, yes. Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and then Dalvin Cook in that order there, Felipe. That wraps up the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Now remember, we're going to be back two episodes a week. So that means Thursday and Friday. It will be the, it will be the mock draft next Thursday. And then next Friday, we'll be talking about the best five, bus five, sleeper five for the running back, which is always a very popular episode. Remember to hit up the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow. You can check out the rankings, which should be updated this week again. And you can check those out on BellyUpFantasySports.com. Make sure you're always watching us and subscribe to us on YouTube, Sportscaster, uh, Twitter. Make sure you're following us for those player news update notifications. Make sure you have those on because the news is coming out fast and furious now that people are starting to report to camp. Uh, make sure you're following us there on Facebook too. And then, of course, make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app. Everyone have a great weekend. Continue to stay healthy. And we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show.